Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Good to see each of you in the house of the Lord. I know it's summertime and vacation time. Thank you for your faithfulness during the summer when you are home. Matthew 15 and 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and crieth unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. And the beginning of verse 23 says, He answered her, Not a word. He ignored her. And you're going to find out in a few minutes why. There are three classifications of people with God. Number one, the Jews, who are the elect. Number two, the Gentiles. And number three, the Christians. Christians can come from any background. But those are the only three classifications. This woman is a Greek that makes her a Gentile. And so initially, Jesus would not even speak to her. Today I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject, a cripple at the king's table. A cripple at the king's table. God bless you. You may be seated. I'd like to spend a few minutes today talking to you about Israel's greatest king. His name was David. David was the second king in Israel's history. David was a giant killer. He was a man after God's own heart. He won many battles and he always divided the spoils. He was a forgiver of his foes. He went from being a shepherd boy to being a hero, to being a king chosen by God. Yet through all of this, David stayed humble. And even though David had his failures, he was able to find a place of confession and of repentance. This great king, was a king recognized by all of Israel's history even to this day as the greatest king that ever lived. I'd also like to share with you the privileges of being a king, which David was. By being king, only the best, whenever you wanted it, was brought to you. You were the supreme being of that country. Any lands that you owned were called your kingdom, meaning they were under your authority and underneath of your power. And the protocol for ever meeting a king had several requirements, of which I'll only mention a few. You only get an audience with the king, and you need to pay attention to this because it's, it's the foundation of this message. You only get to meet the king by his invitation, not by your request. 
You only come at the allotted time that he chooses. When you appear, you will be hygienely correct and you will dress in appropriate attire as told to you by the king and his staff. You will only speak if you are asked to speak. Otherwise, at all times, you will remain quiet. If you are sick, blemished in any way, lame, blind, you will not ever have an audience with the king because the king only sees the perfect, the perfect of his kingdom. I would also like to point out that this king was kind and this king was also very generous. I want to talk about one young man in his kingdom today and he is found in 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verse number 4. It says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and he became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Hard name to pronounce, but Mephibosheth was lame in his feet from trying to flee from the enemy. And one day, David, in a kind mood, asked a question of his servants. He said, is there anyone that is left of Saul or Jonathan's lineage that I can bless? I'd like to point this out to you. What a paradox it is for David to mention Jonathan and Saul together. Saul was the first king of Israel and eventually had a great hatred for David and tried to kill him on several occasions. Yet David would never lift his hand against the king. And yet the greatest enemy David had in Saul, the greatest friend he had was in Saul's own son, Jonathan. And Jonathan was the greatest friend that David ever had. So what a paradox that a father and his son would be his greatest enemy and his greatest friend. And so in the day of kindness, he spoke in his court to his servants and said, is there anyone in their house that I can bless? And it was brought to David's attention that Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. And he said, go fetch him. So we find in 2 Samuel chapter 9, I'm going to drop down to verse number 6, that when Mephibosheth comes, it says, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, also the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face, and he did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, behold, I am your servant. And David said, fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore unto you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. 
Mephibosheth had no place in the king's palace, much less to be able to be at his table, for he was a cripple, and no cripple is allowed in the presence of the king. But David made an exception, and the exception was to bring this young man, lame in his feet, into his home and to say to him, you will eat every meal with me, and I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather, Saul. I will give it back. Look at the mercy, the compassion, and the kindness of this king. Now, lest you would miss what I want to preach to you today, I'm going to make it really crystal clear. We are all in this story today. The king is Jesus. The cripple are you and I. We are imperfect. Can I get an amen? Amen. Most of you, many years ago, never walked with God. You never saw the things that you saw in the word of God. You never heard the voice of God. You were crippled. You were blind. You were deaf. And you couldn't walk with God. See, there's more than one kind of sickness. Sin is a sickness. And it cripples people and disallows their appearance in the presence of the king. But here we have a cripple at the king's table. And then the last verse here that I want to read is the eighth, the response of Mephibosheth after King David had just made this declaration. He bowed himself and he said, what is your servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am. You know, one of the things that I have to say is I can relate to Mephibosheth. Being the cripple that I was, who am I that I should be able to be in the house of God today with my hands lifted up, worshiping God, knowing who I was, and now knowing who He is. He is the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. And what am I? And if there are six billion people in the world today, who are you to be able to enter into the courts of the king, must less be able to pull up a chair at the king's table and feast on his presence And I appreciated what that song said, that last song today touched me so greatly. What an awesome king we serve. A deliverer. A healer. A provider. A protector. We are in the kingdom. The kingdom of God. And who am I but a dead dog? A dog came to the king's table in Matthew chapter 15, and I want to finish the story that I started. I left off with Jesus and a woman who had a 
daughter who had a devil and she made a request and I said that in Matthew 15, 23, he answered her not a word. Just silence. Then the disciples came in 23 and besought him saying, send her away. Get rid of her. We're tired of her crying after you and even after us. We don't want her around. So Jesus felt he would have to refrain from his silence and give an explanation. So his explanation is in verse 24 where he says, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I recognize you as a Gentile, but I haven't come for the Gentiles. I've come for the Jews. Wouldn't that hurt your feelings? Wouldn't you be disappointed if that was the response that Jesus gave to you when you sought him for help? But watch what her response is in verse 25. It says, then came she and worshiped him. I have denied your request. Initially, I would not speak to you. And when I have to speak to you, I tell you that I will not do what you are asking me to do because you have not met the qualifications of standing in the presence of the king. You are flawed. You are a Gentile. But her response is that she worships him saying, Lord, help me. I'll tell you, you'll get a lot farther with God by worshiping than you will with whining. Or self-justification. I, I just came to worship you, Lord. I've got no place else to turn. And I'm just gonna love on you. He could not ignore her worship. So in verse 26, he answers her again. It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. It's getting worse, folks. First, he won't even talk to her. Then he says he will not meet her need because she's not a Jew. And then after she continues on and worships, he insults her. This appears to me, uh, unless I'm missing something, as though she is being insulted by the Lord. He calls her a dog. Do you consider that a compliment if somebody came up to you and called you a dog? You'd be upset about that. But that's what he did. I'm gonna read it again. It's not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. Here's the opportunity for offense. Oh, that's it, you've crossed the line. You won't talk to me, you won't help me, and now you insult me. But watch again her response. Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. You're right. You're right, Jesus. I don't have a right to be in your presence. 
I don't have a right to sit at the table or for you to minister to me. And now you've called me a dog and I am a dog. But even dogs get to eat what falls on the floor from your children and from your gracious provision. So if I'm a dog, give me a crumb. Let me eat what they don't eat, what touches a filthy floor. I'll take anything I can get from you, Jesus. What an attitude. Oh, I wish that there were more Christians that had this kind of an attitude. Go ahead, say what you need to say to me, but I'm not leaving. If I can't sit at the table, then I'll lay on the floor, but I'm going to stay in the presence until they drag me out of here because I need to be at the master's table. I need to be at the master's table. Have you ever been offended? I've got to tell you, in, in, in the years that I've pastored, I've seen so many people leave, and it's always somebody else's fault. They have been offended somehow. The imperfections of people have caused them to even leave the master's table. Offenses that have come. But she refused to leave. I am, or I was, a cripple at the king's table, and so were you. Let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not, shall not inherit the kingdom, see the word king, dome, the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Let's see if any of us fit into these categories. Were we fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind? Did we ever steal? Were we ever covetous? Were we ever drunk? Were we ever revilers or extortioners? If we were, then we can't inherit the kingdom of God. You can't go to the king's domain and you can't be at the king's table because you are disqualified because of the crippleness of your sin. And the king will not allow anything imperfect in his presence. And then he goes on to say, and such were some of you. Can I get an amen to that? Now you can all guess as to what categories that person that said amen fell into. And such were, not such are. I remember a woman that was taken in the act of adultery you remember that story? And when it was all done and said, Jesus said, where are your accusers? And she said, no man hath accused me. Lord, they're, they're, they've all departed. And he said, neither do I condemn thee. He was being merciful. The king was showing mercy again. But then he said, go and sin no more. Don't continue to practice what you're doing and misuse my kindness and my mercy. 
for justification for continued behavior. Can I get an amen? So he said, and such were some of you, but now, I like this, but now, not then, but now, you are washed. Aren't you glad to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins? But now you are sanctified. You've been set apart. You're now in a different classification. You're not a Gentile anymore. You're a Christian. You've taken the name of the Lord in baptism. You've received the spirit of the Lord when you received the Holy Ghost. You're sanctified. That means separated for a purpose. You are justified. Here it is. I want, you to make sure, I want to make sure you see it. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. You're not what you were. And you don't practice what you want practiced. Because you're a child of the king. You're an ambassador of Christ. You're a representation to this world of what Christ's mercy and grace have done in your life. Yes, you were a cripple. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God. Thank God for the gift of God. But the gift of God has now justified us. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. You are a chosen generation. Wow. I like that. Any of you ever play baseball? Basketball, some sport, some game, and somebody said, hey, let's pick teams. How did you feel when you got picked? Not last, but first. I felt pretty good, didn't it? I remember we used, to, we used to flip a baseball bat and you'd catch the bat somewhere near the bottom and then you'd go hand over hand and the one that ended up on top, they got first pick. First pick was the Jews. Just gotta tell you, they are the elect of God from the Old Testament and God doesn't break his promises. But I still got picked. I may not have been the first choice, but I've still been chosen. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm taking you out of the dungeon of darkness and I'm putting you in an illuminated kingdom. There are candles on the table and lights around the room. And we didn't have any right to be there because even the next verse says, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Wow, the people of God, which had not, had not obtained mercy, but now, there it is again, but now, but now 
we have obtained mercy. We were the Gentile dogs. Mephibosheth called himself a dog. And the woman that met Jesus said, if you're gonna call me a dog, then treat me like one and at least let me stay underneath the table. Do you see the connections? Do you see the points and and how they come together and how we are now the cripples at the king's table? I want to make two altar calls today. I'm not preaching long today. I think if, if you can make your point and people get it, it's best for you to be quiet and let God do the rest. But I want to talk to the believers first. Luke chapter 14, tying into this message, Luke chapter 14 talks about a king who's preparing a dinner. And he tells his servants, go out and invite the guests and tell them. Remember, they had to have an invitation. Tell them that they are invited at the set time and that they are to come to my table. And so the servant left his king and did as he was told. And in Luke chapter 14 and verse number 18, we will find three groups of people. Verse 18 says, they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first one said, I bought a piece of ground. I need to go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Give me just a little bit of liberty today because I believe there are three reasons why we will not respond to the invitation of the king to sit at his table. The first man said, I bought a piece of ground. I believe that this represents the pleasures of this world. Recreation, properties, things that could distract us from our invitation. I'm not saying it's wrong to to go on vacation and I'm not saying it's wrong to enjoy some things in life, but when they become more important to you and they take away from where you should be on a regular basis and you love them more than you love God, you've got a serious problem. You've got a serious problem. I like to hunt. I like to fish. I like to play whenever I can. But if that becomes more important to me, then I've got a problem. And when that gets in the way of my walk with God, then I've got a problem. This man said, I've got to go do these things, so have me excused. The second one said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. This man has a job to do. I think it's a good thing that a man and a woman, children, have jobs. How many of you think jobs are a good idea? But when you... And I know that there are times that you have, there are seasons that we have to work extra hard. It's it's not just farmers that have seasons. There are are jobs where sometimes there's a big rush and a big demand on a company and and you got to get work out and there's nothing you can do about that and you just got to work. But when you choose to work, 
when you could be at the king's table, when work becomes more important than God, then you've got a problem. And then there was the third. The third one was, I married a wife and I can't come. And I believe this classification is where other relationships become more important than our relationship with God. I know that a marriage is the second highest relationship on earth. Your first relationship is with God. And I know it's important to have a good relationship with your wife and and certainly with your family and even your friends and even your relatives. And we could go on and on and on and on. But when those relationships cause you not to be at the king's table, you've got a problem. I can't walk in the truth. Why not? Because my parents won't allow it. I can't go to that church and I can't serve God. Why not? Because they're labeled as this or that. And if I go to that kind of a church and my lifestyle is changed, then I'll I'll be rejected by my friends. But he that loveth brother or sister or mother or father more than me, Jesus said, he's not worthy of me. If you get those other relationships ahead of your relationship with God, you'll be missed at the king's table. You'll make an excuse for why you're not there. Let me tell you something about Christianity. Christianity was never intended to be a religion. It was intended to be a relationship. And it's the highest relationship that you can have on earth. And it is a relationship that goes beyond this life into an eternity. That's why Jesus, when he speaks to people, says, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. There was no relationship between us. This is the reason that some people stop coming to the king's table, because of relationship breakdowns. We've got to repair these relationships, folks. We've got to be like the King David that exampled us. We've got to be like the King Jesus that was on the cross and said, forgive them. They know not what they do. If they knew the severity and the pain and the suffering that these decisions could cause, they would have never done it. But we've got to be able to forgive people in relationships that could keep us from being at the king's table. So the servant went back to his Lord and he said, it's done as you've commanded and there's still room. The Lord said unto the servant, well then I want you to go into the highways. I sent you to the people that I thought would come since they're not willing to come, I want you to go out into the highways and the hedges, the rural areas, the place where there aren't as many people, and I want you to compel them. What does that word mean, compel them? Do everything you can. You know what we ought to do about our church and about our God? We ought to brag about it. Man, what... I'd sure like it if you'd come to church with me next Sunday. 
I promise you that if you come to church with me next Sunday, I promise you, you'll feel the presence of God. You have every right to make that promise to your friends. Have you ever felt the presence of God? Have you ever wept in his love and in his compassion and his kindness? Have you ever experienced his mercy and his grace? Come with me next Sunday. I guarantee you, you'll feel the presence of God. Please, come with me. Compel them. That my house may be filled. And I say unto you that the first group, none of those men which were bidden, will taste of my supper. What am I saying to the believers? I told you I'm speaking to the believers. Don't be selective. in your invitations. We, now we take on another role. We take on the role of the servant that goes and invites people to the king's table. Don't be selective. Well, you know what, this guy's kind of a down and outer. This, I know this guy, he's got a reputation. He's a drug addict. We don't want that kind in our church. I know this person over here, they've got a bad reputation, they're very, promiscuous in their behavior. I'm not going to invite them. I'm going to wait till they see the error of their ways and till the goodness of God leads them to repentance and then I'm going to invite them. Don't be selective with your invitations. This guy doesn't even have a job. He can't contribute to the church. Don't be selective with your invitations. This person's not very smart. They don't have a good education. I'm not gonna invite them. They wouldn't be able to understand the word of God. Don't be selective with your invitations. Don't be selective. Let me talk to the visitors today you may feel that it was all you could do to even get to church today you may feel unworthy you may feel unclean you may feel like a visitor I want you to know that Jesus loves you He died on a cross for your sins. He knows exactly what you've done, what you've thought, what you've said, and it was by the invitation of a servant and his spirit that you even got to this place today. And the fact that you are sitting in this pew and feeling like a cripple, God gave you this message to know that there are cripples at the king's table. That there's a place that's been set aside just for you. I remember when I first came and I saw all you nice looking people, your suits and your ties and your shiny shoes that you're wearing today. I remember I I didn't come dressed that way. I remembered the way that you worshiped and I said, "I, I I could never worship like that. I remembered your great kindness and the way you went out of your way to introduce yourself to me, and I, I felt so awkward with it. I didn't feel worthy. 
I didn't feel like I belonged there. I didn't feel like I fit. But I felt the presence of God. And I heard the unadulterated word of God preach to me. And I felt the tug of God's spirit on my heart drawing me to an altar. I remember the first time that I got my hands above my head. It was the same day that I received the Holy Ghost. I realized that Jesus loved me and he was trying to love me through you. I'm glad I didn't attend a judgmental church, a a selective church that made itself a club. But everybody was welcome and everybody was received. And there were no questions asked about my background. There was no application that I had to fill out listing all my previous mistakes and errors so that I could be qualified to attend. You may feel like a cripple, but Jesus heals cripples. Jesus forgives sins. Jesus can make a... You know, people have said, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, maybe not, but Jesus can make a new dog out of you. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away and all things become new. Jesus can change your life. He can change your life. And he's already demonstrated as to how much he loves you by dying on a cross. John 6 and 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Revelations 3 and 20, behold, I stand at your door and I knock. And if any man, any man, any man, any man, any woman, any boy, any girl will hear my voice and open the door. I will come in. I will sup with him and he with me. How about that for an invitation? Let's stand together. We come to God or God comes to us with an invitation. And now, to the believers, when we leave here today, I hope you leave with the idea that I'm gonna go into the highways and byways and I'm gonna compel people to come in and be a part of the Lord's Supper. For he will invite the maimed, the poor, the halt, and the blind, and so should I. Jesus, I thank you today for hearing the cries of a cripple. Who am I that I should be here today and be one of yours? But I thank you, Lord, for your great kindness and your great mercy, the ever-changing... 
Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.